is Home and Classroom, a podcast brought to you by Brightside Up. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel Mandel. And I'm Hannah Wise. And today we have an interesting guest joining us. Her name is Moira Mills, and she's going to talk to us about a pop-up adventure playground that she created and kind of just the importance of exploration in childhood. Um, so this got me thinking a bit about, you know, play, what, the type of play I did as a child. And I think a lot of it could have been classified as risky. <laughs> did you participate in any risky play, Rachel? Yeah, I think about that sometimes too, because I think that risky play sort of like a buzzword now. I mean, it, it's a sort of, you decide whether you're going to let your child engage in risky play. But then I think right. of what was happening in, you know, the early 90s. And I think it was kind of all risky <laughs> play. <laughs> yeah, play was just risky play. Like, it wasn't. Yeah. And I think some of it was just straight dangerous play. Like, I... <laughs> When I was thinking about this question, I was remembering this slide at this park that I went to when I was a kid. And I remember the day they took it down and thinking, good, like everyone's been injured on this slide. It was just metal thing that would shoot you off into the ether. And I had cuts, scrapes, and just so many injuries. Oh my, was it like a spiky slide? Basically, I mean, it was like a shard of metal. <laughs> I don't know why that was allowed, but that's just dangerous play. I think, you know, I remember playing with just materials that were in, you know, in and around our house. So a lot of times it was things like building, um, building ramps with wood that was going to be used for firewood and stuff like that. I think that that's, that's kind of what we would, you know, Uh, I would probably consider that sort of risky play. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I have a lot that comes to mind. Well, we had a neighborhood packed with kids, which was excellent. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, you would just go run around and do whatever. But I think the riskiest activity we participated in was there's, um, we lived, our house was at the bottom of a big hill. So the whole, basically the whole road was a giant hill. And we would take our skateboards down to the, up to the top. I mean, we had helmets and some pads on. Don't get me wrong, but we would luge down like head first. Yeah. Like we were in the Olympics. Um, sometimes get caught in the gutters. Like it was a little scary. Um, but yeah, I think it's so, so it's so fun. interesting. Like what's you know, I'm sure it's up to sort of every parent, but like what's right. risky, what's dangerous do the helmets make it risky versus dangerous? You know, it's, it's an interesting conversation. Right. Right. But it's all fun. It was all fun. We would also like take, um, Oh my God, what are they called? Like the big grapevine. You know what I'm talking about? I'm using hand motions right now, which no one can see, but (laughs) it was like a big twig essentially that would hang down from trees. I don't know if this is going to make any sense. Yeah, no, I think I really attached to anything. Um, and we would use them to swing across this Creek. And most of the time they would drop us in the middle of the creek when we were not planning on like making a splash because they're not, connected. Than- they're not connected to anything. Right. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Funny. Yeah. yeah nature, I think just sort of gives itself to risky play. Yeah. Anyway, it does. Unless you're doing like leaf etching or something, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah like a nice craft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, 
it lends itself to risky play and also just like creativity and adventure. You don't really need many supplies or tools to go out into nature and have, have yourself a little adventure. So. Right. Yeah. You don't bring toys into the forest necessarily. No, you don't have to. So. Yeah. Let's do, let's go right into the game. Should we do that? Enough chit chat. Yeah. Let's do it. (laughs) I'm ready. I always get a little nervous with this game, just so everyone knows. You probably should. You're not very good at it. I know. I'm I'm not. You're you're fine. It's fun. So for everyone who hasn't heard it yet this season, um, we've only been doing it for a couple episodes, but just for a reminder, the way that this game works is I or Hannah, so whoever happens to be the one sort of leading the game, reads a little snippet of a child a book from their childhood and then the other person guesses what that book is so this week i'm trying to make it fairly easy but if you've never heard this book then it won't be easy i appreciate it (laughs) okay so are you ready i'm gonna read the little excerpts and then i'll let you guess and if you really can't guess i'll give you multiple choice answers okay very good i'm ready One day, little Sal went with her mother to Blueberry Hill to pick blueberries. Little Sal brought along her small tin pail, and her mother brought her large tin pail to put berries in. We will take our berries home and can them, said her mother. Then we'll have food for the winter. (laughs) I love this story. This sounds great. I know. It was about canning. I know. Oh god, I'm so bad. Yeah, no. I think I think if I have some examples, some options, some multiple. Yeah, you better get it if I give you multiple choice. Not not examples, multiple choice. If I give you multiple choice, I think it's gotta happen for you. Okay. So is this sweating? Blueberry girl on a bush. What blueberry girl? Blueberries grow on a bush. I thought you said blueberry girl on a bush. Blueberries grow in a bush. Okay. Is it more blueberries or blueberries for sale? It's A or C. What was the first one? Blueberries grow on a bush. I think blueberries for sale. Yes. Blueberries for sale. I've never read that. Unless, you know, there's a really good chance, like, my memory is not good. But Robert uh, McCluskey uh, had won a Caldecott honor. Oh. It looks really like good a very book. cute book. Does Meyer like it? Yes. Yeah. And it's fun because it's, you know, really from my childhood, like, it's just a black and white. Yes. I it, but I like that it has, you know, just simple pictures. And it's all about... Picking blueberries. So what happens basically is this little girl sale um, and her mom go blueberry picking. And then there's also a mama bear and a baby bear that are eating blueberries for the winter to get ready to hibernate. And they all get mixed up. So Mm -hmm. nothing dangerous happens in the Mm -hmm. end, but there's bears following moms and babies following bears. Sounds a little risky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) really cute you should read it. i'll give you all the books that you get wrong so you yeah well i got it right let me let that's the record true show. okay sorry <laughs> i'm telling you short i was you not it. familiar but i've got I, I am two for two technically oh i'm not 
keeping track, except for that I think that you're getting them all wrong. So <laughs> I guess I'm wrong. keeping track. I definitely don't know the books, but I'm getting them right. <laughs> all right. Well, that's what that's what matters in uh, multiple choice testing, right? Sure does. Our guest today is Moira Mills. Moira spent her childhood being unschooled on a farm in rural Alaska. She became a massage therapist and business owner in 2000 and a certified health coach in 2011. In 2015, Moira became a mother, and because of this, she began to develop the concept of Rebel Mom. Rebel Mom is an online platform born out of Moira's desire to help other mothers on their journey. The following year, Moira started Albany Pop-Up Adventure Playground, a temporary play space filled with loose parts and objects designed to inspire imagination and creativity. The pop-ups were an opportunity for all children to have access to child-led play in their own local community. So welcome, Moira. Thank you. Welcome. And thanks for coming on today. I'm excited to chat. Absolutely. So I think we're going to start by taking it from the top of your bio. And if you could just explain to us what unschooling is and a little bit about um, what was growing up being unschooled. Sure. So unschooling is really giving the child an opportunity to learn in the way and in the way that they learn best. So you're learning math or you're learning science, but you're learning it through something that, that you really care about. So you're not being told you have to learn this or memorize this now. It's really fostering the innate desire to want to learn from birth and then giving the opportunity for them to learn through those things. So does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. But I was just wondering if you could give us like more of a concrete example yeah. of like of what that looks so like. So my favorite example is my own experience growing up. So I loved animals. And my dad was uh, grew up on a farm in the Midwest. Um, and there was so basically I had the, the deal was I could have any animal that I wanted, but I needed to figure out how to pay for it. So I was like, probably seven or eight at this at this point. So I really wanted to have sheep. That was, I don't, I don't really remember the thought process that got me there, but I really wanted to have sheep. So you learn all of the Of course, things. you're seven. Right. <laughs> A horse, yeah. I couldn't get the horse. I couldn't get the horse, so the sheep was the next best. Uh, right. So in, in raising an animal like that, there's a lot of opportunities to learn different things. So the example I like to use is we didn't buy pre-formulated food. So there's a lot of research in figuring out what an animal needs in their diet, the protein to carb ratio, like all of those different pieces. So you're, you're using math to figure out how to formulate your own food. So that's the example that I really like to use. So we would do like a cup of this and a tablespoon of this and, you know, yeah. three cups of that to formulate the food. And then also keeping track of it was if it was a mother that was pregnant or just had a baby producing milk, like how the dietary changes happen. Mm -hmm. So you can overlay this thinking onto anything that a kid is interested in. That was, that was just the thing that I cared most about. And then you've also got the business side of stuff where I ended up starting to do little odd jobs. And then once I hit 12 or 13, I started babysitting. 
to be able to afford all these things, but they were always my goals and things that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And I have, so you were, always, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, so you were always super motivated to learn these new things because you loved animals. Like it stemmed from yes. the love of something you chose. to. Yeah. Do. So I think at the foundation of all of this is a trust that we're designed to want to learn things, which I think, you know, from even from the youngest, from the youngest age, when a, when a baby is learning to roll themselves over and to sit up and to walk, like all those effort strategies that they're learning then, you know, if we foster them, we just build them more and more. Yeah. Yeah, That makes a lot of sense. And it, it does remind me a lot of what, so much of our, um, so many of our providers, our childcare providers do throughout the day, like kind of taking whatever's happening in that moment and creating, you know, scaffolding on it, however you may need to with how old the child is. But like uh, your example of just bringing math into like kind of creating that food source, like that reminds me even Hannah, of just a lot of your work um, mm-hmm. as a dietitian in the classroom and, you know, talking about how, how to make you know, a cup out of whatever you happen to have. I it, it really seems to translate well to the early childhood, um, so, yeah. you know, philosophies that we're seeing. Another example that I, I really liked for my son, who's going to be five next week, is he very early on was clearly drawn to music. I'm, I was a dancer mm-hmm. in a past life, but I, I know nothing <laughs> about, I know nothing about playing music. So, I, from very young, I want to say he was about six months old when I started this. I have a friend that's an incredible musician and plays kind of every instrument out there. So I made opportunities for that friend to come over or to take my son over there where he could just listen and watch to that, watch that happening. So I think that that's also the role is that we're not, you know, as adults, we're not, you know, great at everything. It's about finding, noticing what they're drawn to and giving them more, experiences of those and finding people that can be those mentors. I love that. That's great. So how did the pop-up adventure playgrounds come to be? Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you were seeing, why you decided to create that? So when I got pregnant, I decided I really needed to stop. I hadn't been living in the world of parenting at all. And it had been 20 years, something like that. So I decided to kind of check out where parenting was and childhood was. Now I did, growing up in Alaska, I knew there was going to be differences being on the East Coast, but I was really shocked at how it felt to me like we were really, we had really moved toward taking childhood childhood away from kids over the last 10 or 15 years with so much of a focus on academics and competing for who does what first. So I really wanted to create a space where kids could just be kids because I even, you know, everything that I found, there was so much direction included in it. So I really wanted to create something where it was, you know, heading out as close to, you know, getting kicked out the back door and heading out into the woods um, as, Mm -hmm. you know, kids could have in the middle of a city. (laughs) So what, can you kind of paint a picture for us as to what they looked like? Like what supplies you had, what, what the space was like, kind of, and I'm kind of interested in like what the ages were of the kids. So so I guess first what it looked like and then how it worked. So it looks like a giant junkyard. (laughs) 
Nice. It's not um, to an adult <laughs> set of eyes. You know, it's not aesthetically pleasing <laughs> in many ways. Um, so really, basically what it is, is it's just a whole bunch of stuff and stuff that doesn't have a single use for it. So there would be, you know, cardboard, giant refrigerator sized cardboard boxes, giant sheets, you know, rolls of tape, rolls of rope, um, just kind of anything. I would just wander through thrift stores, find stuff or look on Facebook marketplace and find random things that I thought, gosh, that could be used interestingly. Um, and then we just, I would bring a, it started out, they, <laughs> everything fit in my car. And then maybe like two car loads to by the end of the second year, I had to rent a, a U-Haul to, to haul it all. Oh. It's amazing. So it just, we would just throw it out all on the ground. Um, so we would, I would lay, we would lay blankets out and put piles of stuff, you know, somewhat separate it. And then throughout the, the playtime, you know, if there was an area that, it, that kids weren't really paying much attention to, we'd reorganize it a little bit, mm -hmm. maybe throw some other things in there to inspire that creativity. Um, so more being led, being led by the children, what they were interested in and what we saw them pairing. And then always, you know, being open to if they said, oh, we wish there was more of this or we wish there was more of that. Did you have any, um, like, were the parents there? Were they around? Were they, they supervising or were they involved in the play? Because I know, I feel like the main goal of this is to let, you know, child-led play, let the kids focus and lead and use their creativity. And I know sometimes, you know, parents can want to get involved and say, no, like use this or that. So did you have, were parents there, I guess? Yes. Is that the, that's the question? Yes. So parents were always there. And I actually think, personally, I think it was just as valuable for the parents as the kids. Um, so I did have a sign up that said, I can't remember exactly the three points, but it was basically, you know, allow your kids to get dirty step back and watch the creativity happen. So I really wanted parents to see, the, the kids are already incredibly smart and the ideas and the imagination that they have is amazing. But I think as adults, we don't stop often long enough to watch how, they're, how that plays out for them. And it takes them some time. We can't give them 30 minutes and expect the creativity to happen. As, same as adults, we can't just you know, block off 30 minutes and sit at a desk and be told to be creative now. So to yeah. watch that, to have the parents be able to watch that play out, I think is, I really do believe is just as valuable for the parents as it is for the kids to just trust that that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, I think it's great. It's a great time to sort of allow the parent to navigate that. Cause I'm, I'm just thinking of my own experience. I went to one of the pop-up playgrounds in Washington park. So I went with my son and at the time he was, I think only 18 months old. So it was really, you know, we, we had definitely done a lot of exploration, like in our own space, but I hadn't really brought him into other spaces very much or brought him around other children. So I definitely resonate with you saying that it's good for parents too, because it just sort of showed me what, you know, what he could do and what, what he would do. I had no idea how he would respond with other children and other, um, you know, materials. So I know you, so it was you asked the age range. 
Um, mm-hmm. So at the very beginning, so I, I played around with it the summer before it really got going in Washington Park, and it was a much smaller age range. It was like zero, I think zero to five years old. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, I realized there's a lot of these kids have older siblings, younger siblings, and I decided to re- open it up. It was open to birth to about 12 years old. Not that we didn't want older kids, but they were not as interested. And one, another piece that I think is incredibly valuable is to have kids around all ages. I think we do too much to segregate kids out. All five-year-olds play together. All seven-year-olds play together. But they gain so much from watching. You'd watch the little ones watch the older kids build something. Um, and I think, again, m- incredibly valuable. And I don't think we put enough weight, uh, a weight on the, the importance of that happening. Yeah. Did anyone do anything that surprised you? Was there any sort of use of materials or games that came up that you remember as just being surprising or fun? I I mean, there were some amazing things. I loved walking around and watching what they created. There were a couple older boys that came a few times, but they made my favorite was this rocket ship that they made out of old spools. And there were bungee cords and I don't even remember what all, but it was a rocket ship. And it was, they, they held a plastic bowl up in the air as the steering wheel. And oh. there was an infinity stone somewhere on it as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, it was incredible. And it was incredible to watch the older boys do that, watching the younger kids watch them do it and then go on and take right. rides. And it was I mean, I think it was just as exciting for them as being at an amusement park or it's the same. It's, you know, it was very, very cool to watch that play out. They also made a stage. Somehow an old ukulele made it into the mix. So they made a stage and they were performing. It was amazing. And these are probably things that, you know, when you put all your items out, you never thought that they were going to make a rocket ship or a stage. And so it's just, it's so interesting to see what the kids come up with when we just let them go and do whatever they want and follow wherever their mind takes them. Yes. And we do not do it. It reminds me even of like, um, when you do put things out with an idea of what children will make, it doesn't go that way. So I think, you know, it kind of just like, out that whole step of trying to plan something that you cannot plan absolutely and and knowing that that's still you know good for development and important for the children right yeah like it reminds me of the a couple of the food exercises we do with the kids through eat well play hard we give them like different fruits and veggies and like they're supposed to make something out of it and we usually say like a sun or something like that but we've really opened it up to like here are your materials and make whatever you see out of them. So here are your food, you know, it's food, which is super fun, but take it and do your own thing. And it's, it's amazing to see what they all come up with. And then we don't, you don't have, you know, 15 suns. You got a sun and a face and clouds and flowers and all that stuff. I think too, if you fast forward in life, we expect that kids are supposed to graduate from high school and now miraculously somehow understand what they care about and what they're interested in but they've never been asked that question. Mm. So I think that if we're asking that question and, you know, giving them the freedom to explore that when they're little, then they have a foundation to build it on. And, you know, you can change your mind, of course, but at least you've got, you've explored some things. 
So are you still doing these adventure playgrounds? I am not doing them. <laughs> That's okay. I was just wondering, because we have a lot of listeners in the Albany area. So, um, you know, maybe one day you'll do them again. But do you have any, you know, I know you gave us a lot of great info on the resources you did and how you set it up. But if people are interested in creating um, their own adventure playground, what would you um what would you recommend? There's a, a lot of really amazing resources out there. Um, if you look up adventure playgrounds, the idea, the concept started in Europe. It started, um, a lot of it started post-World War II, where they would use old bombed out sites and let kids, you know, give space for kids to just express and play. So there's a lot of resources online to collect stuff in your own yards or in yeah in your own yards and then have friends come over and it, and it can expand from that I don't know what I'm doing I you know we're all I feel like we're all kind of living in limbo at this point right <laughs> what yeah. happened? but that's a really great a great um you know maybe we can find a couple and we'll put them on our show notes page because I really like the idea of being able to do this alone like you don't have to wait for rebel mom to put together a pop-up playground you could do it yourself which is especially important when we're kind of all floating on our own right and now and in, in this the, world. the one the one thing that I would really encourage parents to do is to be okay with the mess get with little kids like you would be amazed at how much entertainment and how long they will be entertained with a giant bowl of oatmeal you know <laughs> you can give them you can give them like a grain grinder and oatmeal and you've got a few hours <laughs> yeah. to be okay with there being a complete disaster and knowing you can wash anything, you can vacuum anything, but the value that they will gain out of it is it far exceeds the mess that you've got at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And to get them outside and not, you know, get them out into the dirt. And, yeah. and again, yeah, I think- there's lots of, you know, rain suits that go from the nose to the toes you know so you could yeah we have a I think it's called okay 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 yeah (laughs) if anyone needs a hand me down (laughs) give one yeah and I think it's just great you know with a lot of kids doing virtual learning or maybe being homeschooled at this moment when this wasn't necessarily like a conscious choice that was made this is just what's happening these ideas and these different ways of learning can be so helpful. Yes, absolutely. And I think that what our kids really need right now is some good nature time. Yes. Don't we all? I do too. (laughs) Yeah, it's helping me too. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Moira. We'll put a couple of those little links and then definitely um, a link to your Facebook page if that's okay with you on our um, show notes. Yes. And once we hit next spring, I'll have a better idea what we're doing. I mean, I'd love to do more pop-ups, but I'm not making any decisions until the spring. Yeah. No, no one can. So we'll see. Everybody stay tuned. We'll just have to check. (laughs) I I feel like everyone in general is staying tuned for the spring. (laughs) Almost, almost. So thank you so much, Moira. Of course. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Check out our show notes page at brightsideup.org.
Thank you for listening. By doing so, you are helping to create a world where all children are understood. I taste like cake, but it tastes like cake.